Yeah, I found out it's really easy to do it in Audacity. Have you ever used that? I have. I remember using, uh, geez, I have things on my resume that mm -hmm. are based on using Audacity circa 2005 to 2010. Nice. Yeah, that's been mm -hmm. around. Well, I saw somebody, uh, Linus Tech Tips, they were running it on a 98 computer. So it's been around a long time as far as software goes. Solid overlap between it and Winamp for how people thought of UI design for audio work in those days. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, no comment about uh, how they felt about llamas though. <laughs> I had llamas, how did llamas come up yesterday? Probably um, large language oh. models. It, it was it was not in this case it oh. was it was not although that could easily come up since i look at large language model stuff every day this was me passing along to my friend who works at an office here in cambridge he is by virtue of acquisition a raytheon employee oh wow and there is someone who I follow online who create, created sometime in the last year a t-shirt that says, I do not work for the Raytheon Corporation. <laughs> with the comment that this shirt tends to engender questions that are already answered by the shirt. And yeah. in this case, <laughs> in this case, it was, I had to do with a, a job that was posted there. And when I think about job postings and how unpredictable a posting can be in terms of how real it is and whether or not someone might might be brought in for it. Mm -hmm. I promised that I would not wear a shirt to a Raytheon interview that said something like, I do not work for the Raytheon <laughs> Corporation, lest they, lest they become someone who needs to be sacked. And like I said, I'm, I'm getting to this. And then in a Monty Python style, also then sack the person who did the sacking. And eventually <laughs> uh, there would be some sort of llamas nearby and that the, uh, the, the llama trainers would themselves need to be sacked. <laughs> That's like the nth degree of we need to remove the witnesses. We need to remove everyone involved. <laughs> we, we do and we have, and uh, here is your confirmation. Yeah. Although in it's form, funny. In the form of a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is funny that like Raytheon came up because I, um, you know, now that um, Henry Kissinger has finally shuffled off the modal coil, um, I went and found a six-part, nine-hour-in-total podcast um, going over, uh, like, everything that he did. And somebody called him the, the uh, Forrest Gump of war crimes, um, but also the Raytheon of people. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Why, yeah. Uh, and you're another person who has mentioned the the Kissinger thing. I think a lot of <clears throat> there there must be a lot of people who are expanding their awareness of all of the war crimes. Oh yeah, and that 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 is a thing that uh, a couple of others have pointed to. Yeah, like I had no idea that he secretly ruined the talks between North and South of Vietnam so that the person that he wanted to get a job for could get into office. Yeah. Is that um, your way of announcing today's topic? I wish. Um, I wasn't that creative. Um, I was actually saying that because today's of... topic is ripped from the headlines. 
Yes, what if, what if so what if Henry Kissinger was tried for war crimes? <laughs> uh guilty the end. Uh yes. Uh, so I I mean let's let's pick a topic after we do the intro because that is the least effort way that we can do this, I think. Um so yeah, so uh, welcome to the Hypotheticals podcast. If this is your first time listening, then uh, I have no idea who you are uh, because you're not someone that I've sent this to directly. Uh, and uh, yeah, here we talk about, well, serious and non-serious outcomes to definitely non-serious questions. Uh, I am Rob, he, him. I'm Matt, he, him. And uh, yeah, this is where we... Uh, we look through the off-brand Excel spreadsheet, also known as Google Sheets, uh, to find a topic. Now, I <clears throat> generally have the idea of like switching back and forth, but because I chose the last topic, um, I'm like I'm not it, unless you want me to be. Uh, and then like so, in that case, I would recommend that you pick something. Again, Ooh. on the list, off the list, it's up to you. Uh, give me the tenth thing on the list. Number 10. Ooh, this is actually a good one. What if food never went bad? Here we are. This one is so important to me. As a consumer have, of food. As a consumer of food. And many feelings, food-related. I am also the person in the home, and in I bet in, in many homes there is someone like this, who works to prevent food from reaching a stage where it's no longer good. Yes. There are those who are okay to provide a range of things. And when they provide that range of things, they accept a risk. Some of this is going to go funky and mm -hmm. no longer the food that I want. All this other food is still fine. I will go ahead and keep eating the fine food. I will pay personal and, and, and somewhat close attention to the things that have drifted to the back and figure out what is it I can do today that mm -hmm. will change this from a potentially bad food into a good food I'll put in my body and be very happy with. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> I'm the only one in my house, so I, I have to do it. So. <laughs> oh man, you, you've got to cover all those, all those bases. Yep. I even had this come up just the other day. We, um, we are not a, uh, a canning house in the classical sense. Mm -hmm. People who really know how to can, they get the stuff together. They've got the jars, they've got the boiling, they've got the, the sanitary approach. They know all the details. They know exactly how many lids they need, what can be reused, temperatures, all that. Yep. And I am just enough to make jelly out of something. And it will now be in a jar. And that jar needs to be consumed in a X amount of time. Mm -hmm. A month. Probably. If I see something weird on top, I scoop it off and just more confident that the stuff underneath it is still good. Right. Uh, yourself, let's while we're still setting the groundwork, what is the kind of thing that you think of as bad food? And what's your first reaction when something happens or is close to bad food? So I recently learned about the scam-ish that is uh, expiration dates on things. Well, recent is, well, the last, you know, few years. Um, so I'm able to pay a lot more attention to, like, what the food actually 
you know, looks like, um, what it smells like. Um, mm -hmm. I'm quite lazy and because I don't make large meals, you know, because it's just one person, uh, mm -hmm. I tend to go with a single serving approach. Mm -hmm. So I have like, you know, a bunch of frozen and canned foods. Mm -hmm. So I basically don't have leftovers. The only time I have stuff that, um, I have to worry about is if I'm planning like multi-week ranges of food, like, um, mm -hmm. sometimes I'll get bored of what I have and get, you know, like hot dogs, uh, or, you know, just make mm -hmm. like, you know, like ham and cheese sandwiches, boring mm -hmm. stuff, but you know, mm -hmm. you, you can tell when ham is bad, you know, by the touch of it. Um, <laughs> uh, so that, that's, that's pretty easy. Oh, that, that ham slickness. Yes. The Something slip and slide. that has, has found its way from the inside to the outside in a way that is the opposite of the opposite of not only what you want, the opposite of something you ever want to feel or experience. Yes, the Shawshank Redemption of microbes. Yep. It. Yeah. Uh, you didn't realize because no one does what what kind of shoes it was wearing, and now you're paying the price. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So like the 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 one like exception that I have that like is if if bread goes moldy, um, it it all goes at once. Uh, I don't keep it. Mm -hmm. um, that's why I usually like plan to have most like mostly sandwiches during that week mm -hmm. because you know I, I refrigerate bread so that mm -hmm. it lasts longer I mm -hmm. I, yeah. I know it's you know like sometimes better for for taste um, mm -hmm. or especially like serving it if it's you mm -hmm. know warm um, like it's weird to me that apparent like in the UK and a bunch of other countries, for example, eggs are never refrigerated. Uh, and they can do that because they don't clean them the way that we do. Um, mm -hmm. And we end up cleaning off like the cuticle, which is the thing that keeps, you know, nasty stuff out of the egg. Um, mm -hmm. And since oh, they do that's that. That's the membrane on the outside of the shell. If I'm exactly. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but since we do that, we have to refrigerate ours. And uh, they tend not to refrigerate butter either which I find interesting. Hmm. Uh, that is a, that is a 50, 50 in my house. Inevitably, if a block comes back, block of butter, four sticks mm -hmm. or one very large stick comes back into the house, it's going to sit in the fridge for whatever time it takes to finish the thing that's in the room temperature container. Mm -hmm. And then the room temperature container, once I put a stick out there to soften at room temperature, it could easily be there for a week and a half. Oh, wow. Longer, even. And you're now, you're revealing the reflexive feel that I have for, oh, that butter will be fine sitting out for a week and a half. It just is. It's at room temperature. I have yet to die from it, given <laughs> the age that I've reached and all these adult choices that I've made. Apparently, that is okay. Could I do so with all four sticks for a process of, like, the four months it would take? Hmm. Yeah, mm. that that's a good question. And I would mm -hmm. say that if you if you had died, this would have been the most popular podcast ever because it would be a supernatural podcast. You would have crossed it would over be a supernatural podcast, and not just the podcasts about supernaturality. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, again, this is a still a kind of a ground scope setting question. Do you have some food related things you can remember that were? so tragically intense and likely because of bad food that you still think about that now you may be overcorrect where you go and what you prepare and what you buy 
and don't buy now because you had such a bad food experience. Oh, wow. So the, if I expand the word experience, um, mm -hmm. it would basically be a, um, an interpersonal type of experience. So I don't know if you ever knew anyone who like would love to get deals off of coupons. And it's like, if they saw the coupon, they had to use it. Mm -hmm. um, Only the man in the mirror, but keep going. <laughs> well, you're responsible about it. Um, my, my mother was one of those people and <clears throat> she would buy things that she had very little interest in. It felt like it's like, well, it's on the coupon. So therefore we have to use it to get this other stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, but you're not going to mm -hmm. use the other stuff. So why mm -hmm. bother? Mm -hmm. Um, so we would constantly like every month have to clean out the refrigerator and like toss half the stuff, uh, simply mm -hmm. because nobody would eat the stuff mm -hmm. that we bought. Um, there is such a, you know, Schwarzenegger DeVito twins relationship between some of those food coupon things where you'll have a popular thing. The cereal is in there mm -hmm. or the, you know, or the condiment is in there and there will be a company that says, we've got a warehouse of this other stuff. People mm -hmm. love the pickles, but people are, for whatever reason, are not, are not buying our banana mustard. What we need <laughs> to do is put this uh, banana mustard on sale, assuming that you buy at least one jar of these pickles that everyone loves so much. And yeah, then half your half your fridge is the empty space where the delicious pickles were, and the other half is full of that banana mustard. Yep. <laughs> you got a deep discount. That is absolutely well, the truth. And uh, the I don't know. That I, that I had like that, before I forget, hmm. uh, blueberry coffee. I had just gotten into drinking hmm. coffee within the past 12 months, and I was a few months in, and I was ready to buy any coffee that was on deep discount because I knew my palate was not sophisticated. It's just coffee, man. It's fine. Right. It's fine. So I got one that was blueberry coffee. Turns out there can be some really suck-ass coffee out there, especially <laughs> if it's blueberry flavored. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Deservedly on deep discount. <laughs> yeah. Although now I wonder if I'm misremembering it, but I swear there was one coupon where it was some food item. I forget what it was, but the item that you got for free was mm -hmm. a DVD. <laughs> it's like a $20 value. It's like... Uh, not a U2 DVD. As fun as it is to make fun of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can, do you have any idea what the DVD was? Uh, it was... It was some It was some modern movie at the time. It wasn't like some sort of Disney classic or something. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say it was probably a comedy. Um, Multiplicity? No, that would be a good movie because we'd actually watch it. Um, I don't think we ever watched the movie. Yeah. So it was, it it was required, right. Off. Let me walk through this. Oh, so food item. So you had to get that. Yeah, it was Plus like four was, of them. Four Whatever of them. it was. Yep. Four of them. Four boxes of cereal, right? Four, four loaves of bread. Yeah. If you're really planning a couple, good, couple of weeks of sandwiches. And a DVD. You'd think that that would just be you've got to get a large tub of popcorn and then the DVD comes with it. That, that would that make is, sense. That would yes. make sense. Instead, you were getting something just by virtue of this sticking in your head. That was not it at all. Exactly. It was something. It was a complete non sequitur. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. No, okay. So now, you, now you've got me racking my brain. We've all had bad food experiences. And some of them you, you must be able to chalk up to this thing went bad and therefore mm -hmm. I know just a stupid decision that I made 
and I hope it was a bad, I hope it was a food bad thing as opposed to just a stupid me thing. Mm-hmm. There are some places where you'll buy fresh produce, and I simply used it right away to make salad. And after I had just a terrible, terrible reaction, I realized, oh, this is a place that sells produce where they, everybody who buys stuff there, and th- this is, I promise this isn't a, a class-based shopping experience exactly, mm-hmm. but everyone else who knows to buy stuff there knows this is for cooking only. This is the type oh, of produce nothing raw. that is only for cooking. Okay. This is not the type of produce that you're going to take and use in any raw form because then you're, you're rolling the dice and you're rolling the dice that have very small numbers of unpredictable size. Oh, wow. So yeah, I learned of... the hard way on that one that I was, I was the outsider who'd come on, come on in and did something, you know, churlish and disrespectful to the great traditions that they had set forth in that place that only sells vegetables for cooking, not for eating raw. Yeah. It was, that was a very, a, um, a don't drink the water in Mexico moment. Yeah. Although Some the... things are understood. Yep. And you can expose yourself to those things if you do not understand them. Yep. Although it does remind me of something that I didn't experience firsthand, but my dad told me the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used to be a truck driver for various things. And one time he was uh, working for a, a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. And they would... Have you ever heard of buttermilk? Sure. Yeah. So I'd nev- I've never experienced it. Uh, he never had. And mm-hmm. he went out and uh, somebody at the place that he went to complained. It's like, well, I got a, you know, a sour batch or a bad batch or whatever, uh, came mm. to me expired. And he says, smell this. So he holds up the buttermilk and my dad goes, Oh, okay. You're right. So he, so he, uh, he exchanges it right, right on yeah. the spot and he opens it up and, uh, says, see, smell the difference. So he smells the, the one that was new and, and the, the guy said was fine. And my dad said, for the life of me, I couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that is like it's almost a subdomain of what we're talking about the cultural willingness to offer and accept here smell this does it smell bad to you Mm. what is the bond we're either testing or trying to establish (laughs) in that case are we like your dad trying to distinguish something that the other person claims they can distinguish I have maybe by virtue of reaching the age I've reached the moment that someone says hey smell this how does it smell to you I trust you yeah it's not good <laughs> yeah if anyone you ever do says what this you need to do with that you yeah. you do what you need to do right away I promise I no longer need to be a voting member of this council yeah Especially if the question is, hey, does this smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> oh, my God. That is a great setup. Uh, <laughs> Carlin, that even reached the level of Carlin when you mentioned the buttermilk part. He even thought buttermilk was out there enough to have two or three different bits about how buttermilk meant so much to some people that everyone else was on a step that they were never going to step up to understand the level of buttermilk love, affection, involvement yep. that is possible. Raw milk, that was my 1970s crunchy parents' take. Mm. They were happy to be raw milk people, and because raw milk has uh, deservedly, many would say, the type of controls on it that it does, Mm -hmm. 
raw milk had a level of smuggling to it. Mm. But we want to talk, what if food doesn't go bad? There is food that doesn't have to go bad in order for it to already be in a gray or black market situation. Right. Yep. And that's where they were. They were those, they were like, okay, no chocolate, it's carob, no ice cream, it's, you know, sorbet, homemade sorbet. Mm -hmm. Uh, And anytime we're doing dairy, it's raw milk, which means we have to drive across the county border to this friend's farm. And we're not going to talk about the fact that we're giving them, you know, a $10 bill for these jugs that are (laughs) opaque so that you can't tell what's inside the opaque jugs. Oh, man. Can you imagine if the Dukes of Hazard was remade and it was just raw milk? <laughs> oh, Naturally, the car would have to be called Bessie. Just going county to county, making sure that they could get that raw milk to the people who needed it. <laughs> Free of refrigeration. That's true. Doing, hey, if we're doing things don't go bad. <clears throat> now, they, they don't have to start in a place that makes them perfect. And it does save you some of that prep. You could just have it sloshing around inside the trunk somewhere. That's that's true. So that's like, yeah, that, imagine how much money you'd save on not having to have refrigerated cars. But that would definitely affect that industry uh, because mm-hmm. there's, there's very few non-food things that need to be uh, kept at certain temperatures, like mm-hmm. scientific equipment probably, uh, mm-hmm. medicine, right, because medicine's mm-hmm. not food. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was that famous joke about, um, you know how Twitter – Twitter. Uh, you know how Wendy's is like well known for roasting people on Twitter? Uh, mm-hmm. There was this one where someone was asking, like, what do you mean your, your burgers aren't frozen? You just, you know, put them in a hot truck and ship them from point A to point B. And, and Wendy's basically said, wait, did you just forget what refrigeration was? <laughs> but yeah, they wouldn't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, right. Yeah, and uh, you, let's see, you raise a related issue. Refrigeration is a thing that is largely for protective purposes. Mm. Because of that, there are some things that we're only, I think that we have only started to accept as it's got to be at this temperature, otherwise I don't enjoy it. Mm. That's true. Separate from whether it's good or bad or whatever, I could let the milk get to room temperature if I wanted to. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'd still be fine for a fairly good amount of time using modern methods. Cold milk, though. A lot of people like the cold milk. Uh, A lot of people like the cold water. A lot of people like the, you know, kind of goes on from there. That's true. Um, I would guess iced coffee, it it had to really climb a hill before people were willing to think, whoa, whoa, whoa. Cold coffee. Right. Cold coffee. There there may be listeners. uh, There may be listeners here who have been been alive at exactly the right time to think they were the avant-garde of people who would have coffee with ice cubes in it and people around them would just sort of shuffle away quietly. Yeah. A lot of some people are like that with tea. You know, it's like mm. I think like like the the, the British um look askance at people who like iced tea and especially cold beer. It's like, well no, we make our beer taste good <laughs> so that you don't have to have it cold. Can I bring this up as an important um, thing that I realize I have thought for examination? Sure. Uh, what that the heck is was that, that uh, I I think having read about public safety and food control, 
and various other ways that we've had of talking about different types of food and, and comestibles and disease in the past. Mm -hmm. My long-term impression has been that the people who came out of the roughly the Middle Ages, late Middle Ages, who then turned into the, the, the grand seafaring people that we have, mm -hmm. almost all of that travel involved ways of keeping whatever it was you were drinking from going bad and rancid and terrible. Mm. And most of those ways involved turning it into some low-grade level of alcohol. And that by letting it become alcohol, it was no longer going to kill you in the same fashion unless you went so overboard that you were throwing yourself overboard because that's how right. overboard you were gone. Um, how, does that, how does it fit with the way that you've thought about history, food, expansion, and so forth? Are your, are your impressions the same? Like, in order to keep fluids and things that are drinkable, that have caloric in, intake and that have nutrients, did we end up going so deep in on the make this into a low-grade alcohol when if we'd had refrigeration or something else way earlier, that would have been the dominant way of preserving things. Preserving health, public health. So that's actually an interesting point because in a lot of places, um, there are ways to have refrigeration that are very old, uh, that predate modern technology. Uh, and they still made alcohol and beer. Um, so I think it's, it's hard to tell which one um, be, like which use became more important first mm -hmm. uh, because people had beer in Egypt, right? That was like mm -hmm. thousands of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, I've and... had some of those revived recipes and they're good. Nice. Can't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they hit it and they like kept hitting it and that was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and it feels like as far as like caloric intake, Mm -hmm. I think that um, that salting and dehydrating had a mm -hmm. much bigger impact. Mm -hmm. So, I would I would guess that the primary thing was, you know, let's let's get messed up off this 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 mm -hmm. funny new liquid that we made. Mm -hmm. Even more than this is somehow preserving what we need in order to keep ourselves going from day to day. It was, I just don't. I'm nowhere near as depressed as I used to be. I'm having a, a better time. I'm not putting any of those mental mental blocks in my way that I used to. Yeah, exactly. Because I figured out what this beer thing is. Yep, because mm -hmm. it, it's it's interesting to think about because as time went on, like mm -hmm. hunter gatherers had a lot of you know open time because they didn't have structured lives, um, mm -hmm. but life was much more tricky. And then people became not sedentary, but like well, less mobile, um, mm -hmm. which means that there was less changes of scenery, less stuff to do. Um, and, you know, most people couldn't read for the longest periods of time. So that mm -hmm. it's not like you could read books to each other. Um, mm -hmm. Most personal ex things were expensive, um, you know, because mm -hmm. everything had to be handmade. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, people would probably get drunk just, be just to pass the time. Mm-hmm promoted a lot of interesting conversation yeah may have made it easy for you to not worry about whatever it was you're worried about yesterday and therefore you can pretty much do the same thing again tomorrow and you'll have just as good of an experience yeah exactly and if you drink enough you don't remember it so it's all new again <laughs>
let's see. Although so something things... I wanted to add on to before you go on. Yeah. Um, yes. I think that if the process is intentional, like fermentation, that we mm -hmm. shouldn't qualify that as going bad. Mm. Um, although that would be an interesting tangent, which mm -hmm. is like, well, if no, if nothing ever went bad and fermentation was considered going bad, we would never have alcohol again, at least not like natural ones. We'd have to like industrialize it and it would just be, you know, pure alcohol. Yeah. You've got the, uh, the, the images of William H. Macy playing that Vermont Senator running through my head saying the great state of Vermont will not apologize for its cheese. <laughs> you can't do yeah if you can't do that type of stuff you don't end up with beer you don't end up with cheese you don't end up with some of those other things that are so yes the technique ah oh man yeah the techniques for those seem like they gotta they gotta remain even if they themselves cannot result in a thing that is like is it the thing that in going bad is it that the food reaches a stage that is simply displeasing incapable of pleasing anybody who wants it mm. um one my of the things was... that I learned, like way back in in my my high school days, I was in the Seattle area, and there is a required local history unit. Uh -huh. You'll learn about the type of food that people ate and the preservation and the styles of things. There were there were fishing people who one of the things that they liked to do was they liked to take certain chunks of the fish, uh, or other things that they had hunted, bury them for an extended period of time, and then uncover them after a known amount they the the meat would have changed in some fashion yep i guess it wouldn't have reached putrefaction exactly but it would reach a stage that today i think we would call pretty well spoiled and yet that was the thing that they wanted as the end product and they intentionally went after it like like other species who figure out how to preserve things and then come back to it at a later time that was what they wanted gotcha in fact i'm pretty sure that's still popular uh in certain nordic countries like I can't think oh, of like the, the spoiled shark. Yes. 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 Um, so my thought was, and this is, I guess maybe a verbose way of saying it, but, mm -hmm. um, not going bad means that you can safely eat this food without any, um, chance of like food poisoning. Right. Mm. Or worse. Okay. So like mm -hmm. people, all those people who eat like spoiled meat as some weird YouTube thing. Yeah. Um, that would still qualify as bad because you could absolutely get food poisoning and stuff like that. So it would basically be, uh, in a, and, and maybe for bonus points, it wouldn't look different, right? It wouldn't, cause there are certain foods that are like, you know, yeah, they could be moldy and you could still eat mm -hmm. it safely. Uh, but no, this would be like, it looks like, it, like it did when it was, you know, what, what we consider fresh. Right. Mm. Okay. So it's only bad because it's on YouTube. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Although it's no to longer be bad in direct appearance or maybe smell or other things that for some people you put the thing close to your mouth, put it in your mouth, put it near your face, and you like revulse because of, of whatever has changed and how different your expectations are. Right. It is, uh, it is, it is a, a pure physical safety thing. I can imagine us reaching that stage at some some point, to be quite honest, where we have not just figured out how to present the food that we want, 
Mm-hmm. But if we're at a uh, food replicator stage, we may have the food replicator hit a certain level of and then fill in the details of it. Strength of smell, strength of taste, strength of such and such. Mm-hmm. And that it is not only it's that stage, but we say, yeah, I'd like you to make this thing and I'd like it to be just shelf stable forever. And then perhaps we will hit that stage. Perhaps the, perhaps what we're talking about is a not just hypothetical, but just a matter of time. Yeah. I mean, to some extent, I think that there will be some limitations to that, but they'll be immensely higher than they are now. Um, mm-hmm. Because we'd, we'd essentially have to outsmart biology in a way that certain things would have no interest in eating what we made, mm-hmm. but it would still be nutritious for us. Um, like, mm-hmm. it, it, it would be basically turning all foods into Twinkies. <laughs> yeah, what is, the border, what is the most borderline thing that you can think you have a fairly pleasant eating experience right now that's along that line? Is it Twinkies? Is there something that's even more... Like, this is barely food, and yet I have a pretty good time putting it in my mouth and digesting it in my body, and my body doesn't rebel. I mean, Diet Coke is right there, right? Like, there's mm. absolutely no redeeming factors of that other than there's some water in it. Uh, caffeine-free, caffeine-free Diet Coke. Let's, let's remember, some people want the buzz, so yeah, take it down to caffeine-free Diet Coke. I actually like caffeine-free Diet Coke better than regular Diet Coke. Um, yeah, wow, although okay, I like so Coke you... Zero better than both of those, so... Mm-hmm. They don't make caffeine-free Coke Zero. Not that I've found. Maybe, uh, maybe science has gone too far once they do that. It's like we've created the singularity. I have a such an odd connection in that my example is also like a personal thing. Like mm. I, I love knowing the history of some very specific things. Uh, I wrote not that I'm out there supplying competitive podcasts with material intentionally, but I wrote a note to someone who's hosting a podcast who's trying to get to know the Boston culture better. Mm. They're new enough that they want to know. And I recommended that they look into the history of candy making, where Cambridge and Boston were for uh, 30, 40, maybe 50 years, the preeminent source of candy for the whole country. Mm-hmm. But there was some international stuff too. But you're talking chocolate, you're talking gum, you're talking candy. It was coming out of out of the Boston area, getting on a, a, a railway, getting on the water, and then it was it was going to the rest of the country. And that's how it was. Mm-hmm. Now, still true for a few things. All the Charleston shoes in the world are made in Cambridge. Right. Uh, that is a vanishingly small total number of things that are like that. Mm-hmm. One of the things that my uh, partner enjoys is circus peanuts. Oh, my condolences. She is... <laughs> certifiably loopy she enjoys circus peanuts uh circus peanuts as i as i saw on one of the places where one can purchase circus peanuts from is manufactured at a facility where her mom lives now that's moscow mills missouri (laughs) and i thought of all the weird circuitous sorts of things now i have no idea if she picked this up directly for her family Mm -hmm. it would now certainly make sense that in a in a defy gravity, this can is rolling up, you know, an incline kind of way. Mm-hmm. She enjoys circus peanuts more than anyone should. Um, a thing that is food and that somehow her family has found itself gravitating to live as close as possible as one could to the producer of said item. Yep. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Circus Penis is definitely, um, it, it is out there in the Venn diagram of inanimate object and food. You really don't want that Venn diagram to exist. You want it to touch, but they <laughs> never actually overlap. But at least one, yeah, right? Yeah. Packing foam, that is effectively packing foam with sugar. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like uh, it's like void fill for humans. <laughs> yeah. Pants fitting too loose, no problem. Pack of circus peanuts. <laughs> oh man, um, mm. it's interesting. Like th this has gone a few interesting ways because I was thinking of like um, the, the the capitalism of it all when it comes to this, because mm -hmm. a lot of like the movement of food really depends on it going bad. Um, because the producers of it need people to buy it. And we throw mm -hmm. out so much stuff. Um, the like so grocery stores stuff. could just stockpile. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we have, we have all the, you know, the raspberries we need. We don't mm -hmm. need to get them from anywhere else. Um, mm -hmm. so seasonal suppliers would be totally messed up. Um, yeah, the distribution system, the planning, the, uh, we've already touched a little on refrigeration, which is it's a big slice and it's not the only thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, where are you going to fall on pests on this one? Is it important whether or not something is vulnerable to pests in vermin? Is that a calculate calculable uh, slice of whether something is going bad or is that separate, separate topic in your mind? So I, it, it's something that um, could actually become a more prominent factor because mm -hmm. the factor of going bad has been removed um, mm -hmm. because I consider pests um, as a consumer of it, not a, not a, like a spoiler of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, and you, you'd have that problem because all the stuff that you would expect to spoil and um, not be edible to those things too still mm -hmm. is. So they'd mm -hmm. still be eating it. Uh, mm -hmm. So you'd have more of those, and then you'd have to guard against your crops even more, uh, because you know they'd have offspring. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. hmm. It draws the line differently when your loaf of bread can con can could conceivably be a loaf of bread that hangs around for a, for a year. Mm -hmm. That's so different than your loaf of bread that's not going to last more than two weeks. And therefore, you don't have to put a lot of thought into it. You're simply, I'm buying the amount of bread that's right for me to eat for the next two weeks. Instead of, well, I'm going to save myself a trip back to this Costco that I had to drive an hour to by yeah. buying not only the 20 loaves of bread that I might have been freezing them, I'm just going to buy a whole year's worth of bread. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'd have, we'd have, oh man, have you heard of the, um, the French toast scale hmm. of emergency? I have, please, please bring it up, back up here. This is a learning opportunity for all of us. Yes. Make sure I don't forget anything. So I don't know if this is just an East Coast thing, but uh, we definitely have this weird thing where people will stock up on milk, eggs, and, uh, and butter and things like that uh, yeah. whenever there's a big storm, which mm -hmm. also happens to be very popular or necessary ingredients for French toast. So mm -hmm. depending on how depleted a store is, um, mm. you would say, you know, how, how high the French toast scale goes. For that particular storm, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and there must be another one that would be uh, a fun comp in that same way. Like that's the almost like the wintry side of things. Since mm -hmm. where we are, New England, 
okay, I'm snowed in for a week, can't go anywhere, so I stock up on the stuff that I can incidentally use for French bread. Uh, let's say I was I was in an area where I might not be able to get to that, but cold isn't the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Other scales. Um, bread is so easy to, to get to, or so easy to get to as a as a base food item that everything else rotates around. Mm. You got to give it to bread. You got to give it to bread that way. That's true. My lord, you know, you inject a modest amount of balanced ingredients overheat and it turns into this 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 wonder capacity to uh sustain us in all kinds of ways yep although speaking of like that sort of thing this i just had a really weird idea because of things not going bad so you know how you can buy like you said buy bread for a year it'll be good at the end of a year well it'll be good forever until you're ready to eat it um you could get some really odd traditions out of it like mm-hmm. you know how um like in weddings some people will save a piece of the wedding cake mm-hmm. and then freeze it mm-hmm. oh yeah well you could have something really weird like somebody has their wedding and they only take a piece of the cake right and that's mm-hmm. the piece that they eat and mm-hmm. then they save that for their children and then their kids will have a piece of the cake and then their grandchildren have a piece of the cake <laughs> uh, <laughs> who gets to eat the very last piece of the cake is that a seventh seventh generation thing that's a good question maybe you have yeah. like eternal cake like once you get to a certain point that mm-hmm. cake gets incorporated into a new cake like the stanley cup <laughs> um uh, I mean, family consumables, since we're doing those hypotheticals that we like to do so so well, it's right there in the name. Uh, <laughs> there are other weird things that we do around, around family things that we accept that we would not accept outside of a family group. Uh, I'm thinking of placenta, right? I'm thinking of other things that are so intimate in the family experience that you are proving to everyone who's involved who's going to have part of the placenta or that you're proving to everyone else who's involved, who's going to have some, you know, some element like that, that you are now like, like you're in it. This is, you've gone midsummer. This is, this is where you are now. And there is no way out because you've already made this a part of your own body. Uh, I'd say that that's a part of it too. We, we, we get to watch out for the things that don't start out as food and yet become food for the purpose of bonding and for, you know, like cultural Hmm. relevance. I hope that doesn't mean that, placentas last forever oh god Uh, um (laughs) yeah oh geez that that goes in a really weird direction because when you think about it um people are animals Mm -hmm. right um so does that mean that when you pass you you just don't decay Mm -hmm. um that would be a problem um problem I mean, it would it would make the whole uh, you know public viewing of Lenin much less weird because he wouldn't be made of wax; he would just be just a dude. Mm-hmm. Um, also, mm-hmm. it would make um, it would make covering up your crimes grimmer. Uh, that's for sure. If you had to kill somebody, <laughs> uh, uh, Lenin is an excellent example. There must be others. I was even in a, I was even traveling a couple weeks ago and 
stopped in a church that includes a saint, a saint mm. of the local area in it, and their her body is considered an important stop for pilgrims. Right. And the way that they make that possible is there is a hand with like a, a nail that was grown out from her original days. So like you can right. see the original hand, you can see the original nail uh, where the the bridge here, and I promise there is a bridge to this. It's not simply what's weird about bodies, man. Um, <laughs> when you are canonized, one of the ways that you can even after death be canonized is if your body is considered uncorrupted. Right. So yep. let's say that in the process of getting your minimum two miracles you need in order to be canonized by the church, if you haven't done them all via acts, if in fact your body is in a state that is considered uncorrupted, that itself can be a miracle that help qualifies you for uh, for that type of thing. Oh wow, that's a really good point because my thought was because we didn't talk about time scales, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you could make the assumption for this if you know food never went bad, right? For all of mm -hmm. human history, yeah. And that's such a big question that I don't know how we would tackle it. Uh, because mm -hmm. we don't have a frame of reference. Mm -hmm. um, but I was thinking about it like, what if, say, one day in 1980, uh, just everything no longer spoiled, um, or, or more modern, you know, just for fun. Um, sure. Can you imagine the confusion of the church? It's like everyone could be a saint now. They're halfway there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did it, everyone. We did it. We did it. Yeah. We got the physical evidence. We got exactly what we needed all along. Yep. There'd be a lot of people who would treat this if this was a change that happened mm -hmm. as just that thing. It was a divine event. Something material has changed in the world around us. Therefore, we have been blessed by God and or the many other deities we may consider to be responsible. And think about the religions then that start stacking up on top of that. Right. Well, I mean, they'll, they'll be very disappointed to find out that it's just two podcasters who in their universe we caused it to happen <laughs> so in the spin-off simulation that is created by virtue of coming up with an idea like this you're welcome yeah we did the best we could in the time that we had and here you are yes i, I take donations of uh, salted cocktail peanuts <laughs> uh, there is another podcast concept here around the notion of incorruptible where the incorruptible part is the what is it if things never go bad innumerable different types of things uh what does it mean to be uh, uh an unrecognized saint i suppose that's another one too hmm. <clears throat> that's a funny thought yeah we've Fight. let um you know we've actually let capitalism off easy in this one because <laughs> you can imagine just some of the disasters the disaster just changes from the purpose of from the perspective of someone who has a lot of money invested in one of these things for these oh, yeah. things to no longer be relevant to the larger picture oh yeah there's some there's some interesting things that could happen like the simplest one would be um like they they, they could try to pass laws that just mm -hmm. make it so that you know, like you have to get rid of food after a certain amount of time mm. um there, there's the mad scientist aspect where people will try to invent like new microbes that will eat the thing mm -hmm. and make it go bad um, food that while it is 
not technically bad. Let's say that it is the, the part of the bread. The bread just starts to sort of slough off in layers after a while. If you oh, collect like the, them all, the presentation all down, of it, yeah. It's still good to eat. <laughs> but the form of it, the form of it is, is, is directly changing. The planned right. obsolescence of whatever that loaf of bread you have in front of you, the half-life. It just loses its structural integrity. Yeah. It just loses its, exactly. All of the yeasts, people would start engineering the yeast so that it simply doesn't hold together anymore at a certain stage. Yep. Or they could go the Model T route. It's like, oh, that's a 2024 bread? Well, clearly you need the 2025 bread. <laughs> it's just get, different shapes. We got bread, bread with stylish, stylish tail fins now. You haven't yeah, even exactly. seen bread until you've, until you've been able to put the, the jelly along the stylish tail fins on the back of the bread. Yep. What have they fa what, what bread fashion has changed? Since we're, we're using bread as an excellent cultural anchor here, what is it that has changed about bread like in our lifetime that is fashion versus other things? Ah, oh, fashion. Because um... there's the contents of bread you you could say 10 20 30 years ago it was so so rare to find people who wanted the form of bread without the gluten or other essential mm. things that it turns out people can have really bad reactions to so if that's still possible people have in the end said i still want something that's a shape of a bread yeah it's not i want to live my life without it it's like commercially i still want that to be around I, i'm a I want to be able to pay for a thing that looks like this, comes in a plastic bag, and then I slice and I put stuff on. Yeah. Yeah, I think the bread itself has mostly stayed the same. Uh, I think, like, any sort of, like, fashion or, like, standards is really in the presentation and, like, the lineage, as weird as it sounds, the lineage of the bread. Like, mm -hmm. you know, people like craft beers, right? If mm -hmm. people want to be fancy, they'll get, you know, like, locally farmed, created bread you know something that's made you know mm -hmm. on site that sort of stuff i have noticed that i have a tolerance for a density of bread that some other people do not seem to have a tolerance for and i didn't know that that was it, you you have to you have to hit it before you know you have to know that the bread that i'm eating i'm really really chewing on and mm. like i'm okay with that but then it turns out this other person who also a slice of it it's like mm, yeah no no thank you yeah, I see what you mean, because there, there are definitely, like, there are certainly, like, types of pumpernickel, right, which mm -hmm. are definitely more substantial than, you know, the airiness of, like, a Wonder Bread. Mm -hmm. Yep. Something that you can easily roll up, and mm -hmm. you can eat as, like, a, a pseudo-taco as opposed to, a, yeah, it has to be a, a flat thing. Exactly. Although it reminds me of that thing where uh, Taco Bell couldn't call their bread bread anymore in certain countries because the sugar content was too high. It's like, no, no. this is actually technically cake. <laughs> Could you, what if you went the other, yeah, what is the other direction from that? What is another type of food where, okay, it's not going bad, but it's reaching some other absurd something because of what it's made of. We've already got to circus peanuts. <laughs> uh, Lord knows candy corn is more or less we figured out how to make the sugar stick together and put some color in it. Yeah. Um, hmm. Celery is awfully close on the natural side. Oh yeah. It's basically celery solid is, water. It's fiber and water. It's fiber and water. That's figured out how to stick together and reproduce. Yeah. Yeah. 
<clears throat> Although I, what's the what's the least bread bread? Communion wafers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, communion wafers, and it's the fla- don't don't even worry about the flavoring, man. Just need it to to hold together briefly. Needs yeah. to be able to be briefly dipped into a cup if they're doing the dip in the cup thing, and that's as much as it needs to stand up to. Yep. I think my favorite phrase for that that they really should use, uh, Jesus. <laughs> and then Rob's body became incorruptible. Uh, I uh, I hope that someone out there is is now using that opportunity to create some Jesus. <laughs> Small, medium, large, whole Jesus size. Mm-hmm. Yep. Family size. Yeah. Although, like, the other thing that, that would come in handy is, um, well, handy is maybe the wrong word. Something that would be nice is mm-hmm. if, like, you know, I mentioned those laws that people might try to pass. Um, that mm-hmm. might be a way to actually, you know, like feed homeless people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are places that have the ability to grow food, but not to distribute it in any sort of reasonable speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, like, I guess the bougie way that, um, that this could help people. There's a lot of, like, local foods that don't um, stay fresh because of refrigeration. But since that's no longer needed, um, mm-hmm. there, there's like certain types of bananas that would be able to to spread um, oh. faster. So there's variety there. Yep. Locally produced stuff that is concretely limited because of time. Exactly. Right. And, uh, and I didn't know this, but you know, like cashews, um, there's a cashew fruit that the cashew is attached to. Mm-hmm. And the fruit is actually pretty good, but it spoils within like a day or two. Oh. So that could be a thing that people would mm. like want more. Hmm. Although fun fact, we have not domesticated cashews. Cashews are like the uh the the theoretical house cat of plants in that way. Or we <laughs> you mean that we we have to go find them where they're at. Yeah, we, we're well, the second one. Although having a pet cashew plant is is a fun idea. <laughs> <laughs> see let me think about what are some things that i know that i've i've had in a local place and it simply has not gone any further because uh i mean my partner spent a lot of money on a dragon fruit the other day Mm. it's interesting it's a red you you pop the thing open and it's like this bright purple red fruit that is sort of if a kiwi wasn't so juicy Mm -hmm. so pleasant you could get used to it if it was around you a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but where we are, you have to go to great lengths in order to get it here. If you were around and it was just a normal thing, pop it off the pop it off the tree, cut it open, and it, you know whatever you're used to it. Yep. I bet I would eat a lot of them, accidentally. Yeah, that's, that's they're fair. also an excellent size for home defense if someone surprises you. <laughs> I figure those like um, 
the like those those giant squashes would be a better home defense because you can swing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything that is. Let's see. Have we forgotten any like major category of food that is given over to spoilage that we should recognize? Okay, this is this has just got a totally different life now. Like even the number of things where heat is the only thing that you add, I feel like those those are going to suffer commercially because a lot of in a lot of those cases we eat them because they're something that is shelf stable until you decide to add some heat to it, whether that's popcorn or whether that's you know, a, a oh. thing that is otherwise kind of dry and unpalatable. Um, and that it becomes more relevant during a winter season, like this legacy of having farm winters where you go through absolutely everything at some point mm-hmm. and you learn how to prep all this stuff because it's going to go bad otherwise. Right. Yeah. And that would, that would become something that's not required, uh, but it would just be like an added process. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you'd think the prices of things like that would go up in comparison to other things because it's it's kind of like a service rather than a requirement. Yeah. Would you need, like, where would potatoes sit in people's minds now? Would potatoes be anywhere near as valuable now that they're not the uh, late season, long lasting, you know, kind of easy to store substitute that helps you get through those last couple winter months? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Versus, well, I still got all these 15 different types of bananas here in my storeroom, and they're delicious. I'm just rotating banana to banana all the way through March. Right, and there are potentially higher calorie things, uh, or like you said, better taste things mm-hmm. that, that you would stockpile. Mm-hmm. Like that would really change um, our farming habits, right? Mm-hmm. Like would mm-hmm. corn be such a popular thing? Um, would you know, Like you mentioned, potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would you like now? There is a, a self sustaining combination of what's if I have this, this combination right? Is it pumpkins and corn and beans? I think pumpkins and corn and beans make a good combination for a local small level farmer because the three nutritionally and kind of shade and height and everything they all fit together well. Mm-hmm. Um, of those three, beans you can just about eat raw Mm -hmm. pumpkin. You need to do more corn. It really depends on what you're thinking of. Yeah. Although jack-o'-lanterns will last forever. So, (laughs) Oh man, we'd really, we'd really, we'd are the memes. Imagine the memes that would suffer in this case. You couldn't have (laughs) the collapsing jack-o'-lantern anymore as a metaphor for everything else in your life. Although I had a weird thought, this just randomly popped into my head. Um, since you can stockpile these things, um, the beef warehouse. <laughs> the, the raw beef. <laughs> the raw beef warehouse. <laughs> yep. Uh, why, Rob? Why is that going to be the, the takeaway visual from this? Well, there was another podcast I was listening to recently, and... Um, they were talking about like a meatpacking facility mm-hmm. and there was a line that, that just caught everyone off guard. They were just laughing their asses off. Um, it was called the meat deck because it was where they would prepare the meat before they sent it into like a grinder, you know, because it was being like turned into hamburger. The meat deck. The meat deck. 
Well, it's not the poop deck, but it's, it's, it's more... <laughs> Thankfully, that was another episode. Lordy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I, I feel we have done ourselves a service by not starting down the path toward the jungle and Upton Sinclair. Like, that was... That was a directly a, a leaping off point we could have gone on to, and what all the things that were uh, implied by that kind of experience. Mm. So I'm really glad we did did not do that. We only in a roundabout way we encourage people to think of a warehouse of never spoiling meat. Yeah. Just go and enjoy. Choose what you want. Pick something off the meat shelf and make yourself a sandwich. Yep. I didn't even think of that, but when you said the jungle, I was thinking, well, wait, what if like dead animals in the jungle never went bad um but something's going to eat them long before then um but the ocean floor is a bit of a different story mm -hmm. um as to what would accumulate oh yeah yeah if it didn't float if it was the kind of thing that didn't float it's like it's gonna find its way down there and it's gonna be yeah hmm yep hmm hmm That'd be a really type of weird type of fishing. It's like let's dredge yes. the ocean for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and not the type of uh, uh, very. It really discourages you from just like bare, barefoot swimming around in some areas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The natural ocean does have a nice balance between constant motion, mm -hmm. constant recirculating in certain ways. And then being able to put things in a place where they get consumed by other things. Yep. Is there any, I don't know, are there any recreational things that are based on this that I'm, I'm not, not remembering? I mean, there's hot dog eating. But hot dog eating is not simply a race against time to keep these hot dogs from spoiling. It's a right. very different type of competition. Although, that would be is. funny. You, you could basically standardize the hot dog eating process. It's mm -hmm. like we've made 10,000 hot dogs. This will last us the next three years. It's like a regulation hot dog. Oh, here's a weird one. Um, have you heard of the... Uh, you've heard of NIST, right? National Institute for Standards of Technology, mm -hmm. or whatever that stands for. Yes. Um, did you know that NIST makes peanut butter? This feels like a... because I'm Googling something right now, because mm -hmm. guess what a jar of standard peanut butter from the NIST store is, which does exist. Uh, are we talking cost? Are we talking Like the cost of just to, to buy it um, after they've done their standardization process. Oh, uh, it's only one jar of peanut butter, Rob. What could it cost? $10? <laughs> I think it's like an eight ounce thing. Um, yeah. So that can be your guess if you want. I will make it my meme guess. Yes. Okay. Multiply that by 110. Why? <laughs> Why? So I watched a video about it. Basically, mm -hmm. every um, product that they have there, like they have standard like um, like salt. They have standard like a whole bunch of different things like us. I, I can't think of all the standards that they would have, but what they do is they make these things so that people can perform lab experiments on them. So like the, the peanut butter has to be like, it has to have X amount of ingredients all at the exact proportions. It has to have like 
a very specific like viscosity you know it has to have a, a, a specific density uh and it's the preparation to get into that state uh but mm -hmm. the thing is that would be great for them because they could just make batches of stuff all at once standardize it and it would never go bad it would never go bad given how much we've talked about bread and the way you just brought this up into it now you're you you've just set me up to assume that nist has like the definitive bread box all things are bigger or smaller than this bread box. <laughs> NIST has so decreed. <laughs> That's funny. Our uh, scientists uh, are willing to take your thing into the official bread box so as to determine, is it bigger than a bread box? Yeah. Although I'm sad to say that uh, NIST does not make standard jelly, apparently. I didn't find it. I know. Uh, well, that has removed the horror of uh, of the meat of the meat warehouse in my head as something I'm now offended by. <laughs> <laughs> well, we 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 have to petition Congress. Mm -hmm. We we need standard jelly. That's how we we should end up every every show should end with call to action, and that is standardized jelly. Contact people <laughs> at your, your city level, at your state level. And God help you at your national level to make sure we get some standardized jelly. Yep. And of course, you know, there's going to be the, the, the divide. You know, Republicans will want like strawberry jelly and the Democrats will want blueberry jelly. Uh, it'll be a whole thing. Mixed berry. Who's willing to live in a mixed berry state these days? I hear, I hear people are, are fleeing those mixed berry states. Well, the Green Party could get uh, mint jelly. So they have that going for them. <laughs> And the libertarians, well, they got attacked by bears, so they didn't have a chance. <laughs> they never really did. Nope, <laughs> they just, they started off, they smelled a little bit too much like honey. They didn't even get to the jelly stage. The bears got them. <laughs> I do like the idea of a call for action based on the video, um, mm -hmm. a podcast. Although this is technically a video. Um, I, I've saved these all but the first one. Uh, has has functional video, um, but I haven't talked to anybody about releasing them. Hmm. That is an entirely separate <clears throat> hypothetical. If you're yes. if you're talking through, what is it that might change about an experience if you have to go from all I know is the audio, and now we're talking, there's a video experience too. Yep, exactly. <clears throat> so everyone will be missing out until maybe someday in the future. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they can just assume that we're, you know, sort of a, a Marx and Lenin situation. <laughs> that's uh, that's better than, uh, what was it, uh, Arnold and DeVito? Uh, yeah, Arnold and DeVito, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad they're both still with us for each of their own quacky reasons. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, they're both, they're both fun. Did you hear the story about how uh, Schwarzenegger basically got some people to fill in a pothole because the the, the city like refused to and it turns no. out that the city was actually doing construction work so it delayed their work <laughs> <laughs> uh, cities are cities are goofy we have just before i forget to be irascible and my local curmudgeon uh the fine people's republic of, of cambridge massachusetts recently ran a cultural refresh. Mm. It is time for us to take 
uh, a new a new year's worth of sidewalk poetry and put it into the sidewalks for everyone to enjoy. Why not? Write yeah. some poetry, submit it. There'll be a vetting process, and we'll add some culture to the area. Should we add that to new pieces of uh, sidewalk cement? You might ask. Foolish, uh-huh. foolish child. We shall remove the old poems, and we shall only put the new poems where the old poems used to be. That makes sense. I have no words. Yep. It's it it's rewriting history. Um, although there there was um, speaking on that general idea, um, not not poetry, um, but a certain part of the male anatomy. Um, mm-hmm. There was a guy, I think, in the UK. Mm-hmm. There was like a bunch of roads that just weren't taken care of, uh, mm-hmm. and their like pothole patrol wasn't filling them in. So he would draw that over the pothole, and because it was an obscene thing, the town had to fix it. So they would just keep doing that to fix all the potholes. See, there, there is a person who thinks practically. Talk about call another call to action. Yes. If you see something your city is not willing to deal with. Yes. Uh, I have another material example, unfortunately, from the People's Republic of Cambridge on that one. <laughs> Go down to Kendall Square, and there is a city park that is on top of the parking garage. So mm-hmm. four, four to five floors up. And in my first visit to its newest incarnation, we observed a, a gentleman spending a fairly decent amount of time over on a piece of public art that was at one end of the park. Mm-hmm. Hard to figure out exactly what was going on, you know, talking about it, figure, trying to figure out just remotely. Eventually walked up to him and asked him what was happening. And he said, oh, a member of, you know, a citizen in the city complained. And they said that the art here on the side of this building was too phallic. I am replacing that art with stickers that are somewhat less phallic. Somewhat. <laughs> All I have to do is tell you that you go look in the you you go look for like some wall art that's over there. You're going to mm-hmm. see the thing that you're like, wow, I can't. Yes, but there it is. You'll be able to see the area that we're talking about. Yep. So yeah. love that love that as a way of uh, of improving civic responsibility of getting yeah. people to fix potholes etc cetera, etc cetera. exactly if there's a problem in your city put a phallus on it it'll be taken mm-hmm. care of mm-hmm. yep even your politician you know just spray paint it on <laughs> just put a little phallus pin just right on there yeah exactly <clears throat> sorry senator warren we just wanted you to act faster <laughs> Therefore, we had to use this pin. <laughs> well, in the words of uh, Special Agent Cooper, I really have to urinate. Ah. What do you think? Is it is this a good time for us, Rob? I think so. Um, you know, I, I I was when you said Cooper, I thought it's like in the words of DB Cooper, I have a plane to uncatch. Um, <laughs> remarkably similar as far as his regional appeal between D.B. <laughs> Cooper and Special Agent Cooper, yes. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, the, the this is, I think we have reached out to our time. Um, I want to make sure we don't forget to do the thing where we talk about uh, a podcast or a show on YouTube or, you know, something community-created uh, that has done better than we do this, um, you know, mm-hmm. so that, you know, a nice palate cleanser for anybody who wants to go out and, and find something else. Um, 
so yeah, uh, I'll go first if you don't mind. Please do. Um, this week, or this part of the month, considering, uh, I don't know if anybody listening knows this, but it's no longer November. Uh, we didn't quite, quite catch up to that, uh, but that's because this podcast is cursing people. I don't know if I'm going to be cursed next. We'll see. Um, so causing causing health or other issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, this I guess, podcast um, is the Friendly Atheist podcast. Um, it has two hosts like this, uh, but it's always the same two hosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they discuss modern um, things that happen in politics, in society, uh, that are either advancements or detriments to those who do not have uh, any particular religion. Um, they, they tend to cover things that are like, you know, First Amendment issues. That's mostly mm-hmm. what it is. Um, there's always some fun reactions. Um, there were some hilarious reactions to when, um, oh, what's his name? Famous religious guy who died in like May. Um, real, real terrible person. Um, televangelist type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad. I'm, yes. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't. Wait, was it him? I don't know. But I'm glad that I don't remember his name. It means he didn't have much of an impact on me, at least. Um, so yeah, that's that is a fantastic show, um, mm-hmm. and uh, that's mine. So yeah. I have a, a slight bridge. You mentioned uh, friendly atheist. Uh, a friend of mine mm-hmm. passed someone on the street, and they caught just enough of the conversation to hear well since you're an atheist i think you can and that was the only fraction they heard so they threw it up there for hive mind to say what is it you think was the rest of the uh of the statement and my my take was be confident that you got into that nativity play on skills alone (laughs) and i welcome that of anybody else think about the well since you're an atheist i think you can Feel free to suggest anything else that would go at the end of that. That's that just that, that's a fun sentence to keep going on. Um, let's see. What else is at this level? Oh, I mean, I, I alluded to the Boston one earlier, so I'll, I'll reiterate that one again. Mm. Explain Boston to me is the relatively fresh-faced podcast that you can uh, add on there. Uh, it's it's not even ad-based exactly. I think it's a, a passion project right now by a recent Boston transplant. Nice. She seems open to suggestions of topics and things, so there's easy to find her on there. But yeah, explain Boston to me. That sounds good. One host, one host plus guest is the format that I've heard so far. Cool. Well, that'll be added to the show notes, and uh, I've been toying with the idea of giving this podcast an email address. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to put a personal one on there, um, but you know, it would be nice to see if anyone actually wants to like talk to us. Um, since there's no YouTube channel to leave a comment on. Mm-hmm. Open to it. Yeah. It'll, of course, be a Gmail address. Um, of course. Yeah, and it's um, for anybody who's listening to this now uh, and hasn't used an old Gmail address for a while, well, too bad because they've just been deleted. There was a mass purge of, uh, <laughs> of Gmail addresses that hadn't been used for, like, years. Oh, that was... Uh, I can think of at least one that I had that would have fallen in, into that purge. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a day when people got very excited about a particular audaciously behaving rat at Fenway Park. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and it was just enough around the local Twitter scene that I know I created a Gmail address on behalf of that Fenway rat. So R.I.P. Fenway rat at uh, at gmail.com. Uh, that's great. I do have a short one. Um, there was a time when I had a webcam that I used for like security, but it mm-hmm. didn't have FTP. So I couldn't just send pictures that it took for motion detection to my, my FTP server. Um, so what I did is it did have email support. So I set it up with an email that mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it just in case, but it was something really stupid like my, my webcam's email. Uh, and that's all it did. It just forwarded emails so that I could download them automatically on my server and then move them to the FTP folder. Um, but since I got a functional webcam now that does what I want it to, I mm-hmm. haven't used that for like five years. So. Hmm. Okay. Well, RIP to that one then too. Yep. Yep. So to to long lost friends and emails. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. This has been Rob. Yeah, and this has been Matt. Yeah. Thanks for listening, and uh, have a good night. <laughs>